Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello there, and welcome to episode 91 of Wikishuffle. My name's Jack. I am joined as ever by my good pals, Chris. Hello. And my good pal, Phil. Hello. My good pals, Chris, and my good pal, Phil. I don't know. I'm not very good at this. Phil, you might be getting a migraine, so this might not be the most fruitful recording session. We're going to try and, and persevere. My eyes have gone yeah. a bit funny. This is normally a, a warning sign that I'm about to get a terrible, terrible migraine. Like, so, like when my tattoo starts burning. Bit like that, Same. yeah. <laughs> Do you ever get migraines, Chris? No. You never had one? I, I know, and I don't really know. I can't differentiate between them and a headache but i know that they sound really horrible oh yeah it's a totally different beast i i'm very very stringent on making sure everyone knows about how bad my migraines are and we were how in, much pain i'm in we were in the science museum in london you had to have a big sit down i did have a big sit down didn't <laughs> you're not making it sound that horrendous can i tell you about well, it the didn't whole, happen can i tell you about how the whole right hand side of my body gets paralyzed yeah, no, yeah but that's sound... like, it's not the start it was like we were in the science museum and i started to get an aura on my eyes and i thought I'm getting a migraine. So I had a big sit down, I had some water, and luckily it just was a false alarm. You do sometimes have a false alarm. You do, and that's what I'm hoping this is. Um, But when mine's at my worst, my right hand locks into a claw. Like um, Jeremy Beadle. A bit like Jeremy Beadle, yeah. I've already got the the size down. Yeah. But yeah, (laughs) my hands are locked. Is the migraine your body trying to transform into its final state? It's a possibility. So anyway, we're going to be doing this quickly so that we can beat the migraine. We're going to do this quickly so we can beat the migraine, yes. So we're going to do some wiki shuffling articles. Mm -hmm. You know what that is by now. I'm not going to ask Chris or Phil what it is. You could explain yourself. I don't want to. Chris, before we begin, I'd just like to talk about something that we talked about on last week's podcast okay which was the film spookies spookies and you've actually followed through for once and yeah you've, I have. I've watched you've, you've done thing. something that you said you would i've watched the whole thing um it's it's all right like how the dig went unchallenged now <laughs> it was such a blatant dig <laughs> yeah and it water off a duck's back nothing i can really well, say is there no no he knows <laughs> he's in the run where are the postcards chris yeah exactly yeah. where's hippocampus who knows it's around Geographically, where is Hippocampus? Southern Africa. Makes sense. Oh, it does make sense. It's Hippo. I, I don't know, it just seemed very American. Very American. Idea. No, no. You can, you can transport animals. I like animals. to be geographically correct with my fiction. But not anatomically correct or biologically yeah, not, not correct. Zoological, zoological accuracy is not so important. No, though. no. Fair enough. Spookies. Anyway, spookies. Yeah, it was all right. It was good. It um, was very low budget. Had some pretty bad acting. And that one actress that we mentioned that was in uh, sex films, she plays a secondary character in it who is the best character because she doesn't react at all to the the monsters around her in the same way as everyone else. They all start infighting, except her. She just smokes. Someone tries to attack her, she just punches it. It's fine. Everyone else loses their shit. The big buff, like, Jersey Shore man with the leather shirt with lightning stripe on it, he tries to be hard. He doesn't. He goes out pretty quick. And also, the setup to it is exactly how the Wikipedia article said. That boy appears from nowhere, wanders along to an empty house, thinks there's a birthday party for him in a terrifying house, there's a head, gets chased out, buried alive by the werecat. The werecat... Well, the werecat is just like... 
dug a grave. Just dug a grave, pre-prepared the grave. The boy falls into it when he's chasing him. Here's one I doesn't, made earlier. D- doesn't the werecat have a hook, if I remember correctly? The werecat does have a hook. He doesn't need it. He plays absolutely no part at all. He's just wearing like a like one of those Letterman jackets. Then they can't speed the camera up and he's got a shovel and he's filling it up really quickly. And they get the kids in, they're like, oh, rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this isn't fun at all. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Worst birthday ever. <laughs> it was. It was a, the spookiest birthday he ever had. He doesn't get seen again because it immediately cuts to two cars. <laughs> and that's it. One of them full of a very busty lady, the funny guy who's got a puppet, and the, the, the driver man. It's he's like, from Jersey Shore. It's like having Mark Kermode on the podcast, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's the same. He's coming from Jersey Shore, and he's like, hey, forget about it. And that's what he's basically doing, and there's a tree in the road, and there's a car behind them full of an older gentleman and his wife. When you say tree, do you mean a tree <laughs> or some kind of tree monster? Nope, just a tree, okay. just a normal tree. So I like that you, you always say the car's full of. Yeah. It's, it's full of a busty woman and a funny guy. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't like they've been chopped to bits and <laughs> are sloshing around in the No, boots. no, this is all fine. This is before the, the drama. The drama happens. So they're in that car, and in the car behind it is an older person and his wife, and they're all going... Well, they don't say where they're going. They're looking for a party. But these two groups of people would not be together in this convoy. So uh, there's no reason. There's, they don't expl- they're not related to each other. They're, they're not friends, but they're all looking for a party, and they think the party's going to be at the abandoned house where the sorcerer lives. <laughs> <laughs> then the muck monsters come out... What is a muck? So what does a muck monster look like? Muck monster is. Oh, was it muck? Was it not muck men? Muck men, yeah. There's multiple. <laughs> right, different types of muck. And they are full big hulking guys with brown slime dripping off them, and they come towards you with their arms held out, and they they do this. They go. That's what they do, um, and they just give you a big hug. But it's, I don't know, maybe it smells. Um, and the tentacle guys have the electric shocks. The sorcerer, his wife, is sleeping. She wakes up and she doesn't want to be there anymore because the guy's creepy. But he's like, oh, why? She gets up and goes, everybody dies. And then the guy just keeps on being a bad man. Five stars. (laughs) (laughs) Your pick of the week. Pick of the week. Great. Okay. I'm glad we've got that over with. So, Phil, how's the migraine? (laughs) I'm going to go and take some paracetamol very quickly. Maybe that will help. Get your best glasses on. Get your reading glasses on. Oh, okay. Right. Because we've got some hunting to do. What are we hunting for? Hunting we've for done Pokemon. Words. Hunting for words in a book. Well, not words, but we are hunting for something in a book. What? Because this is, where's Wally? Oh, oh the man that goes missing. The missing man. The staple of all fancy dress night outs. The easiest one to do. Red and white striped jumper, shit bobble hat, glasses. Piece of and if you've already got like that sort of that sort of face, which a lot of people have, that sort of face. Yeah, <laughs> you you know that sort of face. That's I just that sort of face. A line for a mouth, a tiny little nose, and two big eyes. Yeah, I don't know loads of people that have got that sort of a face. <laughs> Nicholas Lindhurst. 
Nicholas Lindhurst from Goodnight Sweetheart. From Goodnight Sweetheart, yeah. What? Why would we be referencing Goodnight Sweetheart? What do we know about that? Because it's some stupid thing that we do. What would? <laughs> what would make us more qualified to talk about Nicholas Lindhurst's face than say other people's faces? Because we do that podcast that we do. And we've been looking at Nicholas Lindhurst's face quite a lot lately. A lot, for maybe three, four times in a row. Been looking at Nicholas Lindhurst's face maybe looked... three or four times in a row. <laughs> yeah, multiple that times. That is, I mean, uh, that should be an extreme sport. Uh, That's a... dangerous. Um, but I'm not making fun of him because we love him. He's not like Where's Wally, he's a nice man. Where's Wally? It's Where's Wally not a nice man? Are we trying to find Where's Are we trying to find Wally because he's committed a crime? Is this a manhunt? <laughs> I've never thought about Where's Wally as a manhunt. That's the subplot. He does look like he's that, you know, he looks like a character. Well, he is a character. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? He looks like he looks like a villain. How does he look like a villain? He he's does. got a big smile, he's got a nice... Yes, yeah, men never been a villain he looks in like a bubble. He does look like a pedophile, look at him. <laughs> and he's hiding in plain sight. There's one of the pages where there's loads of ways <laughs> he's... He's doing the opposite of hiding in plain sight. No. The absolute opposite. Chris has a point, he's he always does. at playgrounds, he's always at theme parks. Yeah. True. And he's hiding, and there's one in the books where he's hiding amongst the crowd of other people in red and white jumpers, so everyone could be Wally. I don't even know how you win that one. That's that's not one of them, that's all of them. That's the whole point. Have you ever seen one of these books? Yeah, I've seen these books. He's like, hiding in plain sight at a funeral, everyone's in black. For yeah. yeah, that would be an ineffective place for him to go. But if he was to go to a football match of, say, Southampton, thank you, that would be hiding. That would not hiding in plain sight. So what no. is hiding in plain sight then? I thought it was just hiding, you just hiding, but you're just there in front of you. Yeah, but that's not that's what Wally's doing. He is because he's in the picture. Yeah, but he's not in plain I'm sight. To look for him in plain hiding sight. In plain oh, okay. sight is like when the um, when the if he... caretaker fellow was interviewed about Holly and Jessica, and he was like, "Oh, I ain't seen him." Exactly. That's hiding in plain that's sight. That's where's Wally. Where's Wally? No, we didn't finish plugging oh. Goodnight Sweetcast, did we? That's what we were trying to get in there. We're doing a new podcast called Goodnight Sweetcast, where Chris and I look at every single episode of Goodnight Sweethearts, the 1990s. Why are you doing this? Why? You made us. You to- don't ask us. You told us to do it, and now we're doing it. That is literally it, isn't it? That is I the only reason. I told you on this podcast that you should do it. We're very suggestible it. people, <laughs> and you have some kind of power over us that we'll never <laughs> fully understand. And I just thought, I can't be asked doing it, but Chris and, Chris and Phil can. You spend a lot of time mm. on it. Yeah. You just uh, so much time you can't imagine. You have no idea how what? much of our lives this is taking <laughs> up. What now. Jack's done is very a very elegant. Because he knew I would be instantly up for it, instantly, and maybe not follow through with it. But he also knew if he could get you on board, you would follow through with it and then drag me through. <laughs> And that's, that's what's, what's happening. happening. That is what what's happening with Goodnight Sweetcast. But listen, it's fun. Even if you think you don't like Goodnight Sweetheart, we thought we didn't like it to begin with, didn't we? Yeah. We were really worried about it. But it's better than you thought. You may have seen that there was a new episode on BBC this week. Such a ringing endorsement, isn't it? It's, it's better, better than you remember. <laughs> yeah. wow. It's better than your idiot child mind is telling you that yeah. it is. It, there was a new episode on BBC One this week. Yeah, I'm not sure that we have actually mentioned what it's about on Wikishop. What what the premise of the show is? He's a time traveling love rat. That's about, pretty much it. About the size of it, yeah. Gary Sparrow, Nicholas Lindhurst, as played by Where's Wally, as played by him, travels through an alley between 1993 and 1940, and he has two wives on the go. But he sounds like a dick, and he is a bit of a dick. But you like him, right? Where's Wally? Yeah, where's Wally? You've done your plug in on mm-hmm. your shitty little podcast. <laughs> 
that nobody wanted. People want it. You're just angry that you're not involved. And yeah, I am involved. Be. Oh, we get your voice at the end. Yeah, you do. For it's now. Nice. till we get Ruth in to re-record that. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Wally is a series of children's books created by English illustrator Martin Handford. The books consist of a series of detailed double-page spread illustrations depicting dozens or more people doing a variety of amusing things at a given location. It's kind of missing the main unique selling point of Where's Wally mm-hmm. there. And in 1986, Hanford was asked by his art director at Walker Books to draw a character with peculiar features so that his pictures of crowds had a focal point. After much thinking, he came up with the idea of Wally, a world traveller and time travel aficionado who always dresses in red and white. It's pretty much Gary Sparrow, except yeah. his outfit. Sometimes it would take him up to eight weeks to draw a two-page sketch of the elusive Wally and the characters surrounding him. Oh, is that, a lot? is that a long time? Yeah. I think that's what I'd expect, if not longer. I, could, I couldn't do a Where's Wally double pager in eight weeks. Do you know what I've learned? I'm not going to say that I can. <laughs> Long-term listeners of the podcast will recognise that as a point in Chris's character arc. Yeah. <laughs> Real change. Yeah, Real we, change in this one. That was a turning point. One well, yeah. yeah, I feel yeah. like we've really made progress. We've today. reached the end of the first act in this podcast. Mm, got that. Trail of failures behind me. <laughs> the first Where's Wally book was published on Monday the 21st of September 1987. The books became extremely popular and were localised for many different territories, with name changes for Wally in certain regions. The franchise also spawned other media in a more storyline-based form, including a TV series, a comic strip, and a series of video games. Video games? I don't remember video game. I a... do remember the comic, though. And in fact, I collected that comic when I was little. Shut up. I actually did. I had the, the Where's Wally comic? Yeah, but it wasn't a comic. It was like, um, he went all around the world, and it was, it was quite factual. And it came in like a binder. And the news agents used to keep it for me. I don't know why I got attached to this particular one, because there was no story. It was just, like, facts about Nepal. <laughs> and that's where it was. And there would be a picture. You've got to find Wally in Nepal. And all the facts about Nepal, maybe all the animals, a couple of puzzles. And then you kept them all in the ring binder. I think I just, like, collected them. And then you put the little sticker on the side of it that said, he's been to Nepal, like it was his passport. And you put it on there. And I used to have all of them. It's the only thing I ever collected at a young age. Oh. don't know why. Uh, I collected the animals of Harving Wood. I collected oh, that as well. And the one where you got to build a dinosaur over many months. Yeah. Oh, you got you get a little piece that. of glow in the dark. Di- I was like six. Because uh, the first one's free, the next one costs like 50 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Me and my dad but built a dinosaur. You, but why did your dad not say, hang on a minute, there is a more efficient way of us building a model together than me spending £9,000 on this collectible series over the course of 12 years? You, you haven't met six. my dad, have you? <laughs> uh, no, I haven't. <laughs> From a comic perspective, I collected Garfield books. Peanuts? Yeah, great. Nah, peanuts are epic. Garfield's. My mum always wanted me to get into Calvin and Hobbes instead, but I didn't get that. And now I look back, Calvin and Hobbes was amazing. Yeah, mm. I couldn't uh, that. Well, I couldn't either. see that when yeah. I was a child, but it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. I was a straight up Beano guy. I used to get the Beano. Used to be pretty exciting when you get a wham bar on the front of it or a dib dab. Did they used to do that? They used mm. to put free sweets on the front. Yeah. And it does explain your attitude towards softies as well. Oh, mm. softies. 
hates softies. <laughs> but that's like very offensive, isn't it? Really Looking back, Walter yeah. the softie. Really Walter the softie mincing around. And it's literally eggs. like, oh, let's throw some eggs at him. Yeah. That's what happens. It's literally every week. Dennis the Menace bullying a little gay fella. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happens like, every it's single week. Awful. Yeah, it hasn't aged well at all. And setting him, setting his dog on him. Yeah. <laughs> teach children to set their dogs on gay children and no like eight-year-old girl cartoon or not should be called a minx no wally whose name was localized for certain international editions for example waldo in the u.s editions that doesn't work as well waldo why 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 couldn't the u.s handle wally i don't know because it, uh, they have wallies as well it's not as if wally yeah, isn't a name in america yeah. in fact i feel as though wally would be a more popular american name than british name yeah waldo sounds like the bad version of Wally, who wears mm. yellow and black. Got a moustache. Like the Wario version of... There's no clue in the article. What there is, though, is a list of Wally's names in various different languages. There's a lot. There is. So, Afrikaans... You need to say this in local accent as yep. well, please. Yep. All of them. Yep. Say it in Afrikaans. I don't... Willy. There's too little there for me to really get into an accent. Well, I'm from South Africa and I'm looking for Willy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't doubt it. Arabic, Fotuli. Whether that's in the accent or I don't not, I've no is. idea. It's quite posh. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and not do an Arabic accent. I think it's just for the sake of international relations. Bulgarian, Uoli. That definitely wasn't a Bulgarian accent. No. But I don't know how you'd pronounce that word. Catalan is Wally. Mm-hmm. Chinese is Waylai. Croatian is Jura. Czech, Valdic. Danish, Holger. Dutch, Wally. Estonian, Volley. Finnish, Valu. French, Charlie. Where's Charlie? What? What's where? France. What's where? Yeah, in at French? least the Americans kept to the general theme. Charlie. Yes. What's the whole title in French then for Where's Wally? Who est la Charlie? Who est Charlie? <laughs> German Walter. You see, the Germans have tried. French mm. just think they can just reinvent the wheel. Just eh? No. Hebrew Effie, Hindi Hetty, Hungarian Vili, Icelandic Valley, Italian Ubaldo or Wally. Shut <laughs> your mind. Japanese Wari. <laughs> that is literally what it says. <laughs> Phil's not being massively racist. I'm, I'm not it literally racist. says worry. W R W O R I. It is worry. <laughs> so tempting to say it, but I know you can't. You're a monster. Korean is Wally. Lithuanian Valdas. North American English Waldo. Norwegian Willy. Polish Wally. Portuguese Wally. Russian Wally. <laughs> it just sounds like you're being really offensive to everyone. <laughs> Wally. Everyone's a Wally. Sounds like it's a, the shipping forecast. <laughs> yeah. It's just all gone wrong. Serbian Jilly. Uh, Spanish Wally. Swedish Valley or Hugo. Of course. Turkish Ali Jezgin Valley. Vietnamese Van Lang and Welsh Wally. Now, I think. You know how the British Commonwealth's a bit outdated and the reason for what countries are in the Commonwealth and which aren't don't really make much sense? Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm suggesting a new British Commonwealth where we just club together all the countries that call Where's Wally, Wally. I'm so for it. So it'll be us, okay. the Dutch. Yeah, I like the Dutch. The Catalan. So, Legends. Yeah. Much better than the Spanish. And we've got the Spanish as well. The Welsh, the Portuguese, the Italian, uh, and the Polish. What's our goal? It's just a club... 
Well, what's what's the Commonwealth goal? It's not really clear, is it? No, that's true. Maybe have a sporting event every four years, but oh, we've be... all got a hide, like a massive hide and seek, <laughs> international hide and seek, and we have real sectarian violence with anybody who calls Wally anything other than Wally. Fine. There's a bit of a schism with. Italy, because some Italians call him Ubaldo and some call him Wally, so there's a schism there. Well, but if there's going to be a schism yep. anyway, you'd expect it to be in the Holy Roman Empire, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. So yeah, just we'll separate the ones that call it Ubaldo out. Big um, stripy wall. First against the wall. First against the wall. In the first two books, Wally wandered alone and was the only person to be found in every illustration. Over time, more characters were added to find in each scene. Yeah, because there, there was like levels, wasn't it? You had to tick the box to mm. say you found Wally, you found his mate, you found that wizard fella, you found his oh, the wizard fella, yeah. yeah. Wilma was Wally's best friend and first appeared in the Ultimate Fun book and was replaced by her identical twin sister, Wenda, in Where's Wally, the Magnificent Poster book. Do we, How what? did you tell? Why? Why did they have to say he was a twin sister? I, thought it was, I always thought it was like his wife. Oddlaw was Wally's nemesis. Oh, I see. And look, look, it's Waldo spelt backwards. Oddlaw made his debut in The Magnificent's poster book. Made his what? His debut. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) He appears nearly the same as Wally, except that his clothes are yellow and black uh, instead of red and white. His glasses have a blue tint to them, and he has a moustache. I was joking about the evil nemesis having a moustache yeah, earlier, spot on. but apparently all evil nemeses have moustaches. How's your migraine going? I'm all right. I think Good. it might have passed. I might, it might have been a false alarm. Cool, okay. Um, laughter is the best medicine. Mm. There you go. So if you could be a bit funnier, please. Woof, Wally's dog first appeared in the Ultimate Fun book where he was identified as Wender's dog. If someone had a dog and they called it Woof, I would not be friends with them. Only his tail can be found with the exception of the final page of Where's Wally the Wonder Book, which depicts all of Woof. I remember his dog was hard to find because it was just a tail. Wizard Whitebeard, first seen in the Fantastic Journey, his signature is his exceptionally long beard, which is often the key to finding him. It's often the key to finding me as well, yeah, if you've we lost me. In his first appearance, he was responsible for sending Wally on a quest to discover the truth about himself, hmm. and he has tagged along on Wally's travels ever since. I mean, well, you, you're getting deep inside the lore of Yeah, I've never been this Wally deep in it before. But if you're spending eight weeks per picture, you hmm. can't do that and not invent lore. You can't, yeah. the human brain is incapable of spending that much time on a thing and not crafting it into some sort of narrative to stop you from going insane. Mm. So it's completely understandable. And in the mind of Martin Hanford, or Martin something. Hanford, it's probably a whole lot more elaborate than in ways that he won't, wouldn't dare even talk about for fear mm. of making himself look mental. Do you reckon he's ever like slipped a knob or a fanny into the big, big pictures for a laugh? Yeah, probably. You would, wouldn't you? You'd do something. Also in the character section, the Wally Watchers are Wally's. <laughs> the Wally Watchers are Wally's devoted fan club that first appeared in Where's Wally: The Ultimate Fun Book. They turn up wherever Wally goes, dressed in the same red and white striped outfit. Twenty-five appear in most books, though there are ninety-nine of them in the Ultimate Fun Book. Like his acolytes. Magazine. Chris, you remember. I do remember this. There was a series of geographical magazines made available for children in the United Kingdom, Ukraine, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, South Africa, Portugal, Poland, Brazil, France, Hungary, Malta, Bulgaria and Russia called Wally's World. There was, I remember. I was in that group. Somewhere out there, there's a 28-year-old Maltese man who shares this fact with you. Ah, right in. 
In each issue, Wally travelled off to a different country or region of the world telling the reader interesting facts, only for them to forget all about what those facts were. I remember the covers. This was published in 52 issues from January 1997 to January 1998, when Wally's history of the world began, focusing more on history than geography. The first issue was given away free with the last issue of Wally's World. A film based on the Where's Wally series of books has been pursued by various studios. Nickelodeon was one of the studios to take an interest in the idea, but when the regime at Paramount, Nickelodeon's parent company, changed, the project was cancelled. In June 2009, it was announced that Universal Studios and Illumination Entertainment had acquired the rights to turn Where's Wally into a live-action film, but the project was also cancelled. Nicholas Lindhurst is probably available. He is, and he would be really good at it. I can't think of anyone. What would the plot be for a Where's Wally film? Well, there's this all this lore. You could do a big. It'd be like Doctor Strange. It'd be good. He's got his watches following around, and you can't find him. They're looking. It's got to be a search thing, hasn't it? He is the MacGuffin. But you want to see Wally, don't you? Yeah, but we'd be following him, so the other characters would be looking for him. But we'd know where he was. But then there'd be there'd be quite a lot of panned out broad shots where we wouldn't see him, and he's in a suit through very contrived means, like he's stopped off at a sweet factory or something. (laughs) Or in a market somewhere in America. I'd do it like National Treasure of Nicolas Cage. So there's some sort of traveling element to it, and yeah, a lot of that. Sorry, you would do it like that. I'm not going to. Nicholas Dintos is probably a little old now to play Wally if well, we're honest. You know, it, right. No, I'm thinking that there's got to be some other casting options. There is, but you could Nick just on the side of Nicholas Dintos first. If this could be like an older rugged Wally. He's he's been lost many times and he's seen a lot of things. Maybe the film could be about Wally finding himself. Uh, well, who would the other casting be? Who would you choose? I'm thinking Gabe from the US office. Excellent shout. That's, That's what I think. That is yeah. Uh, totally. After he does a fantastic turn in the new Ghostbusters film, he's good in in the Loop as well, and he's very good in Silicon Valley. So he's my casting choice for. And he has Wally's face and mm, height. So what about if he's Wally and we get the bad guy to be Nicholas Lindhurst? No, well, we don't, don't have to have Nicholas Lindhurst. We just you don't have to cast him. It's really hard not to just yeah, think but, about it. But since we've signed him to our agency, we feel obliged. <laughs> <laughs> On Thursday, the 2nd of April, 2009, 1,052 students, alumni and members of the community at Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Jersey, captured the Guinness World Record for the largest gathering of people dressed as Wally. There must have been so much effort gone into that. I mean, I'm looking at a picture of it now, and they do seem to have exactly matching uniforms, which makes me think that somebody produced a thousand uniforms and handed them out. And so the people that turned up just showed up. That's all they had to do and put a jumper well, and a hat on. You have to do it that way. You're not going to find that many but, enthusiasts. So somebody spent money on making a thousand Wally outfits. Oh, no. So as as disparaging as I've just been about that world record attempt, this is even sadder. On Monday the 31st of May 2010, Great Yarmouth attempted to break this record, but fell short of 1,052 with only 930 people turning up. Oh, that's really sad. How much of a dick would you feel? I mean... Walking home in a (laughs) Wally costume. 
<laughs> Firstly, you're being great armor, so it's you know it's not if, going that well for if you. If it had been like 150 people turned up, then fair enough, you just hadn't tried. But to get to 930, mm. you feel as though that last push must have been within sight. It's all moot now, though, because on Sunday, the 19th of June, 2011, the previous record was smashed when 3,872 people dressed as Wally gathered in Merrion Square, Dublin. Stone skipping. Stone skipping is the pastime of throwing a flat stone across water in such a way that it bounces off the surface, preferably many times. The object of the game is to see how many times a stone can bounce before sinking. Okay. Buckle yourselves in, guys. <laughs> this is going to be one hell of an article. I can't do this. I don't know how they do it. Oh, really? Can you do it? Yeah. yeah. What do you Great do? fun. It's actually I've often seen people do it and thought, I'd like to do that, but I just end up throwing it in. What do you do? Is it? There's a neck to it, definitely. You need to get it spinning. So it needs to be a flat stone. And then you kind of roll it off your hand and put a spin on it as you go. And it's that spinning motion oh. that makes it skip over. So it's the same sort of physics as when you press the other button in Mario and he does the spinning jump. It is exactly that. Gotcha. The North American Stone Skipping Association, brackets NASA, but with two, <laughs> but with two S's. Gee, whoever came up Brilliant. with that, they must have been so pleased. Yeah. They must have. I hope their logo looks kind of like the NASA <laughs> logo, but with a stone skimming instead of. Yeah, that would a be rocket. great. Founded by Coleman McGee in 1989 and based in Driftwood, Texas, sanctioned World Championships for four years from 1989 through 1992. It's an unnecessary organisation. And it can't be a sport, then. You two both can both do it. It can't be a sport. What? You can kick a football. Yeah, but... you're shit at football. Yeah, but if you kick a football... If you kick a football... If you kick a football... <laughs> if you kick a football... But no, like, I can also throw a stone, but I can't make it skip. And I just can't bend it like Beckham. Same thing. Very few footballers can bend it like Beckham. Right. It's mainly just Beckham. <laughs> Good point. I still don't think you need this association. Well, neither does anyone else, because it seems like it doesn't exist anymore. It only lasted from 89 to 92. Good. Which is just before Goodnight Good. Sweetheart. <laughs> Goodnight Sweetheart started in 1993, so it probably took their attention away from it. Mm, I can imagine. <laughs> Shut up about Goodnight Sweetheart. <laughs> the world record for the number of skips, as acknowledged in the Guinness Book of Records, is 88. No way. And no this, way. This was achieved by a man called Kurt Mountain Man Steiner. 88 skips. What's the standard That's amount of insane. skips? That's insane. I can do like three. Yeah, you get like four Maybe or four five. Maybe four if I'm excited. If you, if yeah, I'm really you get good, but... four or five would make you do a little ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be like getting a strike and bowling. 88 That's is just nuts. preposterous. This cast was achieved on September the 6th, 2013. So how, what's the science behind that then? So is it if the force that you throw it or the angle? A combination know, of all of those things. And you need the conditions to be exactly right as well because you want the water to be as still as possible. Like on running water or the sea, it's very difficult. Because, yeah, but but no, you want very still water. 88 times. How long is that going to take? Like five minutes? No, they get very quick. Five they get, minutes? They get, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you can imagine a human being throwing a stone with enough inertia that it will carry on travelling for five minutes. Well, I don't really know. It would be literally like that. Like, is that what it goes like? Yeah. Yeah, imagine the furthest you can throw a stone. Yep. 
Okay, no water involved. Did you hurling a stone? Right. How long you could make that stay in the air for? It's going to be less than that. Oh, it was, how? It's got to be less than that. So how between skips? How long are we talking then? A second, less than a Under second. A, like, well, less yeah. than a second. Particularly because they'll they get closer together. So your first skip to the second one will be quite big, and then they'll be so it'll be like a minute closer then. together. Under, Not I'd even say, a minute. I'd say twenty seconds. There is uh, another stone skipping championship in Easdale, Scotland, where distance is measured as opposed to the number of skips, as tends to be the case outside the US. So America, they're very much about the number of skips, whereas it's distance elsewhere. Since 1997, competitors from all over the world have taken part in the World Stone Skimming Championships in a disused quarry on Eastdale Island. Sorry, (laughs) I opened a drink and it made the recording. The stone must bounce or skip at least three times to count. Dougie Isaacs of Scotland won the title again in 2015, making him the champion with the most world titles in the competition's history. Seven. The world record for distance skimmed was laser surveyed at 107.4 metres at a Guinness-endorsed event comprising a squad of 12. The throw was by Dougie Isaacs of Scotland. Dougie's the king. Scientific explanation. Oh, this is what I was after. This is what you want. Hmm. An early explanation of the physics of stone skipping was provided by Lazzaro Spallanzani in the 18th century. The stone generates lift in the same manner as a flying disc by pushing water down as it moves across the water at an angle. Surface tension has very little to do with it. The stone's rotation acts to stabilise it against the torque of lift being applied to the back. Research undertaken by a team led by French physicist Lydric Bouquet discovered that an angle of around 20 degrees between the stone and the water's surface is optimal. Bouquet and his colleagues were surprised to discover that changes in speed and rotation did not change this fact. Work by Hewitt, Barmforth and McElwain has shown that if the horizontal speed can be maintained, skipping can continue indefinitely. This is an, an international phenomenon, because anyone can do it, but it's got lots of names all over the world. Some of them are quite entertaining. In Bengali. What, what's, what's, the, what's the American one? Stone Waldo. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. Skipping, skipping rocks or stones in America, or skimming in Britain, or ducks and drakes in Britain. I've never heard it called that before. No. Or stone skiffing in Ireland. I'd, I'd always say skimming. I would say skimming. In Bengali, they're called frog jumps. Makes or sense. kingfisher. I like that. Uh, Bosnia, uh, basically the former Yugoslavia, is to throw little frogs. Making stepstone bridges in Catalan. To make froggies in Czech. Or to make ducks or ducklings. Or, it goes on. It does or go on. Or also, little fishes, saucers, plates, dishes, wagtails, divers, flaps, potlids, plops, darts, sir, figures, bubbles, jews... <laughs> Gammas, dolls, girls or dragonflies Or to Fairy Virgin Mary They must really love doing this in Czechoslovakia For it to have that many different Choose Slipping in Danish Frog jumps in Telugu Throwing a burbot in Estonian Which I think is a type of fish, isn't it? In Finnish, throwing a sandwich <laughs> <laughs> Little frogs in Greek Making it to waddle in Hungarian, literally making it walk like a duck. <laughs> this is brilliant. Mm. Cutting water in Japanese makes sense. Mongolian, making the rabbit leap, fair enough. Or alternatively, 
making the dog lick. <laughs> I get that though, because when dogs drink, it does do that. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Do, you, do you want to go for a game of making the dog lick? That's a <laughs> no disturbing sentence. I'll bring the peanut butter. Oh. Well, the good news is that my migraine never materialised. Those paracetamol did the trick. I'm all fine. I'm in fine fettle. You'll be Hooray. pleased to know. Well that, done. But that is it for another episode of Wiki Shovel. Well done, guys. Come on. Seems. Give yourself. There you go. We don't. We don't usually do this. I, I feel like it was a good one. It's all the stuff about whatever the stuff was we talked about mm-hmm. I thought that was good I enjoyed it I had an intervention staged against me this week you were borderline but you didn't need, we didn't need one <laughs> anything you need to get out in the open no this time you're right I think we let you off of your warning it seems to have worked this is good you've been bettered as a human as a result of our intervention so we'll be back again next week episode 92 of Wiki Shuffle in the meantime you can listen to Goodnight Sweetcast which is Phil and Chris's wonderful new Goodnight Sweetheart podcast yeah listen to that if you want I don't know. Just go to wikishuffle.co.uk and you'll find all of that business there. Yeah, and that's where you'll find all of our old episodes as well, together with some show notes in some cases where I can be bothered. I did some again last week. Um, We should also mention that we got a lovely postcard this week. Oh, we did, yes. Thank you, Brian. Brian has been re-listening to all of the Wikishuffles from the beginning. Re-listening. Well, no, he, he joined in halfway through and then he went back to the beginning again. And now he's caught up and he's listened to everything we've done. Okay, so he's not listened twice. No, that would be mental. That's what I was going to say. That's. Nuts. I don't know that I've listened twice. No. Someone will have. Don't think so. Of course they will. Let us know. If you've listened to all of our episodes more than once, then you will definitely get a shout out and possibly some palliative care. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was a really nice postcard. Brian says that the podcast helped him get through post-surgery days. Lovely. That's great. I mean, use painkillers. It would be my advice to most people if you're getting over surgery. But maybe he's a Jehovah's Witness. And so a lot of interventionalist medicine is mm. not available to him. He's had to make do with our podcast. Two more things. Brian is called... Can I say his surname? I, don't, I can't see why not. Okay, well, he shares his name with one of the best Friday Night Lights characters. So that's nice. And also he lives in Melbourne. And I might well be there in the next year or two, Brian. So expect a visit and... um if you have a spare bed or something, that'd be nice. Cheers, not, cheers not, mate. Not for you, Brian. <laughs> not for you. <laughs> you, of course, can send us a postcard yourself, preferably with a picture of your shitty town on one side. This is what we've always asked for on the postcards, is that you send us a picture of your shitty town. So far, nobody's that, We haven't got that. one postcard that looks horrible, Sh- no. apart from Keith in the bath eating cereal which is disturbing but it's not a town it's not cereal it's a cake if you remember it's a um, caterpillar cake from Marks and Spencer's of course it was yeah yeah so they're all nice aren't they they all look like nice places they do even Dallas looks nice so we've had postcards from all over the world but none of them are shitty enough they're all a bit too picturesque so what we really want is you to show off how shitty your town is and send it to Wikishuffle HQ, 1B Headlands, Kettering NN157ER. Jack's doing something. What are you doing? I'm, I'm doing a drawing for your Gary Lurie. Because <laughs> that's the other thing we want you to send us, and that is pictures for the Gary Lurie. Gary Lurie. Which is the feature that we have on the Goodnight Sweetcast. So it's basically any artwork inspired by the characters or events of the BBC sitcom Goodnight Sweetheart. Okay, next week... We'll be talking about some more stuff that we don't know what it is yet. So see you then. Bye. 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 
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.